today on Sports Card Investor. We get tough with Panini, asking questions about retail, redemptions, and more. My name is Jeff Wilson. By day, I invest in tech companies. And at night, I invest in sports cards. Join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love. investors and welcome to another episode excited to have you back with us today and i think you're going to enjoy this conversation today this is from the virtual holiday sports card con that we did a couple of weeks ago where during it we were joined live by tracy hackler from panini and tracy did a wonderful job of taking on all of our questions and he said ask me whatever you want to ask me so you know we talked a lot about a lot of the great things that are going on in the hobby, but we also asked him some challenging questions about what's going on in retail with all the cards, you know, sold out all the time and, you know, what's going on with redemptions and various things like that that can be pain points for sports card collectors and investors. So this interview today, very informative, a lot of interesting answers. I think you're going to enjoy this. I also think you're going to enjoy tracking your collection and watching price movements in Market Movers. As you know, Market Movers is the ultimate software tool to help you get a get ahead of the markets and profit from the hobby that you love, including collection tracking, where every single day you can log in and see how the value of your collection is going up or down. It is a great thing to get your cards in there over the holidays and be ready for the new year and the basketball season where prices are already going crazy, the football playoffs, baseball not too far from now, lots of reasons to get your collection into Market Movers today. Check it out by going to sportscardinvestor.com and clicking on Market Movers in the main menu bar. All right, let's get to this interview with Panini. Without further ado, please welcome Tracy to the show. All right, we are back here and we are going to bring on Tracy Hackler from Panini. Uh, looking forward to this interview. Tracy, you are here live. Welcome welcome to the virtual holiday. Jeff, thank you for having me on. It's always good to join you guys and uh, love, love the show you're putting together. The programming is excellent and I'm sorry if I have to bring down the level of uh, of your talent, but I'll do my best to keep up. I appreciate the, the the Christmas tree in the background. It's helping helping keep with a festive holiday theme. Well, your hat, that Christmas tree. Hey, we're all in the Christmas spirit, right? We're making it happen. We're making it happen. So let's start. Uh, you know, obviously, this has been an absolutely incredible year for the hobby. Uh, there's so much we could talk about, but as you look back, what stands out most to you about 2020? Man, that's a great question, Jeff. It's been this has been one of the most surreal years that any of us have ever experienced um, in our lifetimes, and and the the meteoric rise of the of the trading card hobby in that time just kind of fits in with that theme of just surrealism. And you know, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is just how globally embraced and globally adored trading cards are maybe for the first time ever. I mean, it's always been kind of this niche industry, this niche hobby of ours that we've all kind of kept secret. And now it's really opened up to the masses in a, in a large way, maybe bigger than we've ever seen before. And I, so I think that just stands out to me. And then 
when products maintain this crazy market price that I don't think anybody ever anticipated. I mean, the products certainly weren't designed to maintain that market price. And the fact that uh, the supply can't meet the demand is a good problem to have, but it's pretty staggering when you sit back and think about it. Yeah, it's been an absolutely incredible year and, and so much good has, has happened with a hobby this year for sports card investors. But when you have that type of, of growth, like you just talked about, where supply can't meet demand, it also leads to challenges. And I know one thing that has frustrated a lot of collectors this year has been what has been happening in retail stores. And the fact that we're all used to, a couple of years ago, being able to go into your Target or a Walmart and, and grab a box of Prism or grab a box of Optic. It's almost impossible to do these days. What, what, are, what are Panini's thoughts on this? Is there anything you can do? Yeah, we're, we're equally frustrated uh, in, in a big way. Um, what, what we've done, we've actually taken a lot of steps, probably more so behind the scenes than a lot of people even are aware of, but we are frustrated about it. <clears throat> we, as you can imagine, the lion's share of the communi communication we're getting right now from consumers, either on social or through email correspondence is about this very topic. And what we do as a company, primarily our VP of sales, uh, DJ Kazmarak is kind of the, the man at Panini spearheading this. But when we hear about these instances of stores that are having these, these issues, we kind of gather as much information as we can, research it. And when we have all the information, we go to our retail distribution partners, uh, MJH and Excel, and we've express our concern about what maybe is going on in the trading card sections. In many cases, that has led to people being terminated, unfortunately. It's led to a lot of uh, uh, merchandisers being reassigned to different departments because they're not properly equipped to handle that. what's taking place in the trading card sections right now. Um, we've, we've kind of uh, spearheaded a complete retraining of folks in those merchandising positions uh, on how to handle this crazy demand that, that we're seeing. Um, and then other steps, a lot of times now, the trading card sections at both primarily Target and Walmart are being stocked when possible after hours or um, in non-prime time so that um, things are getting on the shelf as they should. Um, but there's really only so much we can do as the as the trading card manufacturer to kind of police it. But we, we are constantly talking to our retail partners and our distribution partners on how to kind of make that a better situation. And I think we've taken many great steps and probably more to come for sure. Do you think we'll see more stores go to like moving the product behind the counter and saying, you know, you can only buy one box per customer. I've seen that there are, it seems like there are certain locations of like target that had moved to that, but it, right now it's not very consistent. Yeah, I think I think there's probably some kind of happy medium where that makes a lot more sense. You know, the 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 problem that we're up against as well is that Walmart and Target aren't in the business of trying to limit people from buying things in their right. store. So, um, but but I do think there is something that can be done more along the lines of what you're talking about, Jeff, to to kind of limit or per uh, per customer purchase limits. Um, and I don't think any of that stuff's off the table, but. Um, there's a lot of, again, a lot of calls, a lot of meetings going on on the daily about how we kind of make this situation as 
uh, digestible as we can. Yeah, yeah, and I understand the challenge. You're right. Walmart and Target are not, as you just said, they're not in the business of limiting customers buying things. That's not what they do with any other product, really. So why would they do that with trading cards? So that's challenging for them. Now, I will say, you know, as much as everyone in the hobby complains about the fact that, uh, you know, products aren't available at retail, the opposite would be that you print to demand and you print so much that, oh, it's always available in retail because you're just going to print more and more and more and more and more, which is what happened in the 1980s. And so I will say that the fact that it is so scarce in retail does at least provide me with confidence as a investor that you are not overprinting, you are not even meeting current demand with the, with the print runs that, that are going on today. No, that's a great point, Jeff. And I was going to bring that kind of up when you got to another question later in the interview. But yeah, you're right. I mean, if there is a fear that we're going to go back into the early 90s and we're going to overproduce, I mean, there's a bunch of factors that are different now. But one proof positive that we're not going to do that is you can't find the product. And it is a... Oh, oh we just lost, we just lost Panini. We just lost... Panini, we have been we have been signed out. Interesting. I think I think the uh, the sports card gods are watching this interview and they're like, oh wait a minute, where's Jeff going with these questions? Um, here we need to get we need to get some help over here for for we gotta get Tracy back on here. Uh, and literally the computer was literally like, we have detected a security violation. We must terminate this call immediately. Let's, I don't know what I said. Is uh, is print runs perhaps uh, perhaps a, on the are, is this on the watch list now? Are we on the is the uh, NSA watch list uh, monitoring the print runs at Panini here? I don't know. I don't know. We're we're gonna get Panini back on. All right, we're gonna have Tracy back on here. Hopefully in about thirty seconds. Okay, I have to go. All right, we're connecting now. Whoops. That was, that was, that was one second, Tracy. We're going to bring you back on the screen here. Skype, Skype popped up and said, um, and said, we have detected a, a security concern with, a, with, with your conversation. So I don't what? know. I don't know. I'm saying, is the National Security Administration getting involved in policing <laughs> product at retail stores? Is that what's going on now? They're yeah, but don't we take this seriously, man. Yeah. Uh, but no, we were talking about print runs and you were saying, you were just in the process of saying, you know, I was saying how you could, you could print to meet the demand, but obviously that is not, uh, not happening. And you were talking about how you guys talk about that type of thing all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things I was going to bring up later is, is, you, you know, if there was a fear that we might be going back down the road of, of the late eighties, early nineties and overproduction, I think the fact that the, there are empty shelves everywhere is proof positive that we're not doing that. And, uh, and you and I have talked about this. I think we talked about this the last time we were on, but we have so many people in our, in our building that are instrumental in the production of our products who lived through that and, uh, and don't want to relive it for all the right reasons. So I think, I think we're in good hands there. Now, now, while while we're on that topic, I be, I believe you that Panini is being very cautious about print levels. I I very much do, but why wouldn't uh, why wouldn't Panini or really, and it's not just Panini, it's any of the manufacturers want to publicly disclose how many of a certain card are printed? Like I know you obviously do that. You've certain serial numbered cards, but those are the lower print volume, the rarer ones. 
we're kind of all left to guess how many base cards or how many silver cards there were printed in a, in a particular year? Yeah, it's a good question. I think philosophically, um, there, there, there could be many reasons and maybe that's the, the reasons are as different as there are different brand managers, but you know, I think by and large, most things, the print runs are known on. I don't know that you'll ever know what the full print run of a base set is or a base uh, parallel probably because it's, it's, um, it's a big number and I don't know that anybody wants to, to know, but I mean, I think that the, it still stands to, to stands up that you can't find it anywhere. So <clears throat> if it's a big number, yeah, base prism, the, I don't know how many silvers there are of a base guy. They would never tell me that. Um, I wish they would cause I would, I'm kind of curious, but when we think we're reaching a threshold and this happens with any product if we think we're in fear of reaching a threshold where it's not as coveted, we see a year like 2020 where it's like you can't make enough still of the base prisms or the base uh, product. So I just have a lot of confidence in our team and the, the, the professionals that we have on the production side, on the development side. Um, they, they more than being, uh, trading card product developers or producers, they're passionate about the hobby that we've all been a part of for decades and decades. And so I think it's in good hands. And I think the fact that you don't have six or seven or eight manufacturers rolling the presses on their products and you've got kind of one in each of the major sports doing their thing and hopefully watching the market and protecting the market as closely as we are. Yeah. And I, I, I certainly appreciate that answer. Now, now, of course, you know, the flip side, again, there's flip sides to all of this is by is by closely monitoring that supply. It's also making it tough for kids to get into collecting. And although the cards back in the 80s, you know, kind of turned out to be worth very little because so much was printed, the advantage of so much being printed was that was that me and probably you and many others in the 1980s, many watching this show tonight, you know, got hooked because they could go to their corner drugstore and buy the cars and they were always there. And that's no longer the case. And, and for somebody who has, you know, two sons and a daughter like I do, who are in that age that I want to start getting them into card collecting, it's tough now. It, 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 you know, what are what is Panini thinking about in response to that? Uh, again, another great question. Very timely. Um, you know, the, the, the thing I think about when we try to talk about staying relevant with the youth and also giving them something that they can obtain rather easily. The The first two things I think about are the, the NFL and NBA sticker and album collections, which have been around for, for years and years and years. It's what Panini globally made its name and a reputation on, um, on the world cup side primarily. But I think one of the biggest advancements in that, because people like, well, my kid wants trading cards, not stickers. I think by adding actual trading cards to the sticker and album collection last year has worked wonders for for that product as a viable uh, target for for card collectors as well as fans who want to put the sticker albums together and complete those. Um, and even then, you talk about having rookie cards and and rare parallels as part of that that product. 
you look at those values and those values are going crazy too. So it's even when you try in a 99 cent packet or a, a 99 cent product to, to get those cards in there, people are finding them and, and it is resonating in terms of that product, but it also is another piece that kids can kind of start with if they can't find prism or immaculate or whatever. So that's one avenue that we're pretty proud of. Uh, the other, another one is the NFL five trading card game, which yes, it's a trading card game, uh, but there are cards in there and uh, ache Tom Delarden, who's our games developer, you know, he was talking about NFL five this week in the, the organized play and how popular that's been. But even the card elements in there, aside from being cards that you use in gameplay, the top players and top rookies, as you might imagine, there's a, a strong s secondary market for those as well. So that's two kind of introductory, globally kind of accessible products. And then one thing that our sales team is working on right now to launch in spring of 2021 is uh, a kid's crate program where um, it's affordable uh, blasters and uh, a, a retail uh, skews and hats and socks and uh, t-shirts and things. It's a, a kid's crate that'll be available to uh, our direct to consumer business and our direct to hobby shop business as well. Um, so all direct accounts will have access to that at an affordable price that we can monitor strictly that they're not in turn jacking the price up. Good. And it's for, for kids 14, I think 14 and under is kind of our threshold. And so we're trying, we're trying. It's it's not the be all end all, but it is a, a two or three, four steps in the right direction. That's awesome to hear. Really cool, really cool. Well, let's talk about a few of the things that I think Panini has has just done awesome at this year. Um, you know, the the designs, in my opinion, are getting better and better. And you've also got new types of inserts coming out that have really, really caught on and taken off in the last couple of years. Um, I'm curious, what is what is the design process like at Panini? Like how many how many different designers do you have? Do they work on multiple products or do they stay, do they work on multiple sports or how does that all work? So that's, a, that's another great question. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so proud of a lot of the designs that we're, that we're generating on this site because they are fresh and they're new. And, uh, but to your original question, so our design team, we have one creative director and then under him are 14. Uh, the, the, the whole team is 15 members. And uh, the, the thing that where we benefit is that it's people in their 50s to all the way to people in their 20s. And so you've got a lot of lifelong collectors who are in the – in our graphic design department, you've got a bunch of newcomers who are just experiencing it for the first time. And so you get all these different perspectives um, with an eye, obviously, on what are our design tenets and what do we, what are brand staples that we need to kind of keep in every product. But then you've got these fresh ideas from these 20-somethings who, who will, um, will come up with something completely different, think it think of things completely in a different way than what a longtime collector who's a designer will think of. Um, and then they do a great job of not just keeping. So there might be one designer who works on prism every year, but it's multiple designers working on multiple products and it's not at all uncommon for, 
for someone to be wor- working on Prism m- uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, he might he or she might be working on NBA hoops, and Friday they might be working on select soccer. So um, it it keeps things fresh, and I do think our the mix that we have of the talent that we have on the team, the collecting uh, pedigrees that we have, the newness that we have has really uh, led to some some really revolutionary designs, whether it's Color Blast or Kaboom. I mean, I know Kaboom has been around for a while, but Color Blast um, is one that really stands out to me. A lot of the the uh, the retro kind of 70s, 80s looks have re- really appealed to me. And I'm just blown away because for like a lot of collectors, the first time I see a lot of our new designs is when the product releases and it's getting broken and I get to see those and I'm I'm with you I think our team has done an excellent job and do they do they intentionally uh you know make designs even regarding things like cards that are going to have autos and that kind of thing I'm curious one example that I'm kind of curious about is you know prism has elevated itself to be the you know kind of that premier sets you know obviously we're excluding the very high-end like national treasures here but outside of that premier is your kind of prism is your premier everyday set in basketball and football um but it doesn't have on-card autos for example right those are sticker autos whereas you have someone you know you've got a set like optic which actually benefits from on-card autos who determines logistics like that like what's is you know will prism could prism get on-card autos in the future if so who would make that call so, so that's more a, 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 a result of when that product is in the calendar. So Prism, for most sports, it comes out relatively early in the year, um, and we just don't, quite frankly, have time to get that Optichrome technology takes a little bit longer to, to produce, and Prism has been so successful. It's such a juggernaut that I don't know that, that our team necessarily wants to rock the boat with Prism, but when we can plan out optic for example or uh contenders optic things like that where we can have a, a really the benefit of a full production year and then we have those kind of at the at the end of the uh, program we it affords us the the opportunity to put um some on-card forms in there and then allows us the time to send to the player and the player needs to to take his time to, to autograph them and send it back so but primarily, the reason Prism has never really had on-card autographs is because of w- where it is in the production calendar and the release, and when it releases. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, can collectors look forward to any changes to any of your key sets, like Prism or Select or Optic, as we move forward into next year? Or do you expect those stats, those sets to remain a little more kind of status quo because they, they are already so popular and maybe some of the innovation will happen around newer sets or newer inserts? Another great question. Um, you're full of them as usual. Um, so I think for, for the most part, the, those kind of landmark or flagship products are will remain largely the same, but our product development teams and our design teams are really good about, even if they're minor changes of looking at a product from the first card to the last from the last year and seeing how they can improve it. So, so you may see minor changes that it, that, that a lot of folks might not notice, but for the most part, I mean, those products are what they are and they do really well and people l- love to collect them. And if we were to, to change too much about those, we might uh, 
alienate or tick off some people. So those will kind of remain un, untouched with the exception of minor changes. And then to your point, I think a lot of the bigger developments um, will come in other products that aren't as established. Um, and I think that's one of the beauties of a product like Chronicles, where it really gives you gives our teams the opportunity to really try some different stuff. And and what resonates in there will likely become a bigger player in, in years to come. Yeah, Chronicles gives you a good experimentation ground for sure. All right, so I've got to ask, of course, people in the chat are wanting to hear about redemptions, panini points. These these can sometimes be points of pain for collectors. You know, when they uh, when they open up a box and they're excited and they and they pull out a redemption card, but then the fear of this taking months and months and months, or they get panini points and then sometimes there's a disappointment that they feel like they can't find something of the value they were hoping. Any thoughts on those programs or how they might change in the future? Um, well, I want I will say that we we despise redemptions as much as anybody does. We we don't like them. We kind of view them as necessary evils. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, the, the the reward site is constantly kind of evolving. I think a, a few things they've done that that really have resonated to me as a as a consumer as well is like when they've created unique products just for the reward site whether it's the white sparkle packs or the kabooms that had the the greens and the golds those and the have been silver. very popular yeah but th those things go quickly and and people people kind of know when our team is updating new inventory uploading new inventory um and they're there waiting and it goes quick and i and um, I understand that it's a it's an an imperfect um, temporary solution, I'll say, for for the nirvana or the the euphoria that we want to get to with where there's a a world with no redemptions or no points. But um, until yeah. that's possible, and then in terms of like uh, I we all completely appreciate and embrace the the beauty of instant gratification when it comes to the autograph card. There's not much worse. A kick in the shins than your autograph being a redemption of points. And, and is that simply a matter of the player didn't get the sign card back to Panini in time? Is that why yeah, that happens? I mean, yeah, like we look, we have a sizable team who's do who, who does nothing all day, every day, except talk to players and agents about getting cards autographed. It could be cards that they've had for a while. It could be cards that they just got. It could be cards that are on the way. Hey let so-and-so know that he's going to get a shipment tomorrow. We need those back in a week or whatever. And, um, but it's almost always a, a, a result of us waiting to get the cards back in. And, right. and, and sometimes cards get lost in the mail. We got to remake them or we got to resend stuff out. And so there are kind of hairy points to it. People know we've, we all know and, uh, have a, a love-hate relationship with redemption cards. But one of the things I w that I'll give our team credit for, both on the, the, the autograph acquisition side and the customer service side, is we never like to give up on a guy. So if we're at a stalemate, a guy says he's not he's not returning the card, he's not signing, or we hardly ever give up on a player that, that matters. And so sometimes that can take a year, sometimes it can take five or six years. But but if it's a meaningful card 
to a lot of people, we're going to try to stick it through and see it through and get the card back in and get it redeemed. Yeah, and I know dealing with athletes can be a difficult thing at times. They've got their own schedules and their own agendas at times, so I get it. I get it. I do love on the on the uh, um, the Panini points. I do love when you do special releases of product just available for Panini point holders. I feel like that really enhances the value of them. So hopefully, we see more of those great things in the future. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope we do more of those too because it does it does help, and it, it and there are people as you know. There's a market for points and. Uh, and and people the it just takes a little bit more research you got to be a little bit more savvy but i mean there's there's a payoff there if you're if you're patient enough and you you are ready when the time's right all right let's wrap on this final question tracy what are you looking most forward to uh in the hobby for 2021 i'd like the broncos to be successful um would be a a good start for me um but um, man i want to see where we're going because I mean, I know where we are. I know where we've been, but I don't know where what, where we are now. How that translates into where we're going, and um, you know, I think we've all been here long enough, and we've seen it through. We've been on the roller coaster, front row seat on the roller coaster of, of the trading card hobby for years and years and years, and um, I don't know that anybody ever thought they would see this this again where we are. Um, and it's an unprecedented time. We've, we've never, we've talked about the highs of the early, early nineties and the 90, the 96 national in Anaheim people talk about it, or, or 90 early nineties national was like the glory days. And, but that will now pale in comparison to where we are now. I just don't know where, where the top is because every time we think we've reached the top, it dwarfs everything that we've seen prior. So, that's a really bad answer for you, like a long-winded bad answer, which are the worst kinds of bad answers, the long-winded ones. But I just want to see what, like what, where we go from here. I'm excited, and we are all optimistic about the future. I think, I think the top is, is even quite a bit above where we are today, so I'm excited to see it. Tracy, thanks so much for your honesty and forthrightness. Really appreciate it. Oh, final thing. We've got to do a giveaway, right? I think you, yes. uh, you had a little giveaway for us tonight. Is that right? Yeah, so you, everyone, we talked about Prism. Uh, Prism Football released uh, yesterday, Monday, yesterday, today. I don't know, but it, it released. It's hot. We have one box of that, and I'm going to throw in a box of XR, too. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you and, you, and uh, you decide how to uh, – give that out but well here's how here's how we're going to give it out tracy that's first of all very generous thank you very much to tracy and panini for giving out a a box of prism football we really appreciate that that is super hot as well as a box of prism xr that is awesome and here's what we're going to do we're going to ask everyone in the live chat what their what their favorite under the radar panini set is and why tell us a panini set a panini product that is under the radar and why we're going to take two answers and uh, we're going to give each of those people one of those prizes. Thanks, thank you very much, Tracy. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you again yeah. soon. Thank Thanks you, for being part. You take care of Kelly, man. She's slaving away back there. So she's doing wonderful. Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you for having me on. Hope y'all have a great holiday. You too. Thanks so much, Tracy. Take care. Thanks, Jeff. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was wonderful having Tracy on during the virtual holiday, and I want to thank him again and thank Panini 
for being willing to answer those types of questions and also being great supporters of the hobby and great supporters of our audience. We certainly appreciate their participation. And we also appreciate to the many thousands of you who have subscribed to our Market Movers software, who are using Market Movers every day to track your collections. And if you haven't yet, you'll wanna check it out by going to sportscardinvestor.com and clicking on Market Movers in the main menu bar. Please give this channel a subscribe, hit the bell icon. We're coming out with new videos like this every day this week, recapping the best content from our virtual holiday sports card con. Until next time, thank you everybody. See you tomorrow.